Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? God is good. Let's try that again. God is good. All the time. Amen. Well, this morning, I believe that God wants to deposit a powerful word into your hearts. So in the middle of the message later on, you're going to see yourself, you're going to see Jesus coming alive in the message later on. And as you begin to identify yourself with the character later on, and I just want you to be prayerful about it, because I believe that God wants to speak to you specifically today. He wants to do something in your life. He wants your attention, and He wants you to put it into action. Now, how many of you this morning, you, have you ever had a table for two experience? Like, show of hands, you know, you, you, you have a table of two experience with your other half, your spouse. Anyone here? Yeah? Praise the Lord. Thank God. Now, I'm speaking to the younger audience, the, the young adults, the, the youths. How many of you here one day you would like to have a table for two experience? Actually, they're quite quiet. Hmm. We need to pray for them. But not anytime soon, okay? Finish your studies first. Now, I just want you to imagine yourself. You are at a fancy restaurant and it is a table for two that is prepared for you. And it is a three-course meal. So in the three-course meal, if you take a look at the menu, you have the appetizer, the entree, and the dessert. Let's talk a little bit about the appetizer. Now, for the first dish, you have a pan-seared scallop with a cauliflower puree. I just wanted to imagine, you know, the scallop is just right there, and then the cauliflower puree with just a dash across. Now, you have a fresh wild mushroom soup. Now, not with olive oil, not extra virgin olive oil, but truffle oil. And of course, with a garlic herb bread at the side. Here comes the main course, the entree. You have an apple glazed pork chop with sauteed potatoes and asparagus. Now, to finish off the night with your other half or with your boyfriend, girlfriend, or maybe even with your family, you have what I call a happiness three-way. So I just want you to imagine there's a plate right now. You've got three things on the plate. The first thing you have is a molten chocolate lava cake. As you slice right in there, I'm telling you, the chocolate lava is just going to ooze out, okay? Now, in the middle, you have what we call the strawberry pedacotta. Well, technically, that's like taufufa, just a little bit elevated. And then you have a deconstructed cheesecake with a Nutella frosting. Basically, it's just half a cheesecake cut into smaller pieces, thrown on a plate, put some drizzle, voila. How many of you would like to have this sort of table for two experience? Because you know what? I got a free coupon to give away. How many of you would like, well, I see the hands raised even before I said anything. How many of you would like this? Just a show of hands, and I'm going to pick someone. Okay, okay, relax, relax. You know what? You know what? Sometimes things are too good to be true, you know? Never trust the enemy. You know, I just want to share very quickly with you. Uh, when I first um, asked my fiance, Felicia, out for a date, and uh, I, I made a reservation for two. Yeah, she's there. Hi. Yeah, can I have a next slide? 
Man, isn't she beautiful? Anyway, I made a reservation for two that morning. I, I met her parents and uh, basically asked the parents for permission to date the daughter. Uh, trust me, I was really nervous as I was driving to the restaurant, to the breakfast place. I was actually speaking in tongues and like, you know, really praying. And um, cut the long story short, they said yes. And then we went to see my mom as well. And then, of course, my mom gave her blessings as well. Now, everything seems fine thus far. So I said, I'm going to bring her to KL. And I chose a particular place in KLCC. Uh, it's called Ben's Cafe. And so I made a reservation for two. Now, at this point, I told her, hey, do you mind waiting somewhere uh, here? Because I need to go to the toilet. And so I ran with all my might. In KLCC, I've never run so fast in KLCC before. I ran to the flower shop, got a bouquet of flowers, ran back to the cafe, put it there at the seat, and then I ran back to her. And she was like, what took you so long? Oh, stomachache, ache, stomach ache. You know, need a bit of time, you know. Now, cut a long story short, we arrive at the place. I chose a seat by the site where it overlooks the KLCC park. So if you know KLCC park, there is like those beautiful fountain lights. And I was like, you know, sounds like a romantic setup, isn't it? Sounds like... Man, this is a winner, man. Guess what happened? There were no likes on that night. Now, if you think that's worse, there's another one that is coming away. So, usually you have your appetizer and your, your main entree and stuff. No, the main course came first, the entree came first, followed by the appetizer and then the drinks. And I was like, what is this? Like, you must be kidding me. And it was a bit awkward, I felt. I'll cut the long story short and I said, um, okay, you know what, I need to ask her to be my girlfriend, right? Because guys, you need to do that, right? You've got to be the gentleman. And so I told myself, since we're quite full, let's order dessert. Let's ask the waiter to serve 15 minutes later after we order. And so I did exactly that. We ordered the cheesecake. So I sat her down, and beyond the confidence you see me on stage, I was melting with fear inside. So I sat there, you look left, look right a bit kind of thing. And it's like, oh, so... And then suddenly the waiter came with the cheesecake and I look at the waiter like, but I just told you it's 15 minutes. Do you mind serving 15 minutes? It's 15 minutes. Then it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, okay, right now, right now. Focus, focus. So I begin to express myself to her. But just when I begin to express to her, another waiter came with the cheesecake. And I was like, it's 15 minutes later. I had to be a bit you know, be a bit more firm with my voice, 15 minutes later. Cut the long story short, she said yes, and uh, of course she's my fiancé today. Uh, but that was one of our first official table for two experience that we ever had. Now, why am I telling you this story? All of us would love to have a table for two experience, a beautiful one, a memorable one right here. If I was not careful, I could have allowed the waiter to spoil the table for two experience. I could have been woke up and said, you're spoiling my plan, and it would have destroyed the tone for the rest of the night. It would have been awkward. It would have been really disruptive in some sense if I reacted to the waiter. So this morning, I want to bring to you a message that is entitled, A Table for Two. A Table for Two. If you have a Bible with you, let's take a look at Psalms 23. Psalms 23, a familiar passage right here. Now, the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for an awesome first service of God. Lord, even right now for our second service, speak to us. Holy Spirit, quicken our minds to understand your word. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts. Move us into action. Move us, God, into application, God, that we will allow you to inspire us. So, Lord, let your word come alive right now in the name of Jesus. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, David knew full well that what was it like to be a shepherd as well as a sheep? I mean, think about it. Before he faced Goliath, he was that shepherd boy who was tending to the sheep. When he became a king, he walked with God. He knew that God was the one who sustained him. He went through countless seasons of dark valleys. And yet through it all, he knew that God is the one who was protecting him, who was shepherding him, prepared a table for two for him. Now, I want you to know this morning that our Lord, our shepherd, has prepared a table for two for us. I'm going to illustrate a little bit more on something that Louis Giglio shared, and I'm going to continue to add my twist to it and elaborate further on it. So, the Lord has prepared a table for two for you, and He says, have a seat, because I want this time with you. And so, what happens is, he invites you to sit at this table. He says, hey, you must be thirsty. Have some water. And then, of course, he thinks to himself, you know what? I'll join you for a cup of water. Yes, I am the living water, but I'm going to drink nonetheless. And so, you take a seat right here at this special table. And God tells you, hey, drink. And so, being a good child of God, you go like, oh, yeah, sure. Yep, tastes like water, actually. And he says, I have prepared a feast before you. Hey, eat of it. And so, you eat at the Lord's table. Can you hear me chewing? Trust me, it's crunchy, it's juicy, absolutely delicious. And so, the Lord wants to have a conversation with you right now. But He has prepared a feast and said, Hey, while you pour out your, your problems to me, go on and eat. And so, of course, you finish off the grapes. It must be awkward for you, right, looking at me eating, and you can't get to eat. It's really good. I'm just saying. So, we, when we come to the table of the Lord, we bring our baggages. We bring our pain. We bring our story. We bring of all our fears and all we have, and, and we just place it at His table. But along the way, 
as we converse with God, it comes to a point we feel like, God, is that all that you're going to provide for me? Is that all the favor that you have? Is that all the blessings that you have? Is that all the provision that you have? And we begin to complain. We begin to talk to different individuals and say, I don't see God giving me a breakthrough in my life. And so we get frustrated. God, why are you like this? Why are you like this? Now, if you are not careful, you just keep on complaining, the enemy prowls around your table and he's going to grab a chair and he's going to have a seat at your table. And so what happens is this. The enemy comes to your table and the enemy goes like, mind if I have a seat? Even if you say no, he says, oh, you know what? I'm already at your table. Just ignore Jesus. Let's, let's chat. Let's have a chat. And so while the enemy pretends to be interested in your conversation, in you pouring out your problems and things like this, he grabs your cup. He takes a sip of your cup. And while you're just pouring your problems and you go like, oh, you know, I tell you, I was so frustrated with Mark in the office that day. I tell you, Mark was just terrible. He didn't respect me. I'll think of, and so you are here complaining, pouring out your problems. And you're like, yeah, Kenny, you know, Kenny didn't want to buy me lunch that day. And you go like, and, and the enemy is like, yeah, yeah, keep on talking, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you that, yeah, Kenny is, you know, he's, he's not generous at all. And so while the enemy is cheering you out, the enemy grabs the food on your table and he goes like, I'm listening, you know, I'm really listening. Just like this, the enemy has taken a seat at your table. Just like this, if you are not careful, you're having a killer at your table. You're having a stealer at your table. And you see what's the problem here? The problem is sometimes we are not content with what God has provided for us because we have our preferences, right? So the problem here is this, we are the ones providing the opening to the enemy to have a seat at our table. Maybe you're feeling stressed, maybe you are going through some stuff in your life. Instead of rebuking those thoughts, instead of working on it, you dwell on it. You are just so self-absorbed in that, that emotion at a point of time that the enemy has taken a seat at your table. We don't set any boundaries at all at our table for two. And I believe actually some of you can actually relate to this. If I may be very honest, some of us have allowed the enemy to have a seat at our table. And I don't know what is that for you. But he's prowling around your table. I'll give you a few more examples. For example, we entertain negative thoughts instead of taking captive of those thoughts. It could be fear and anxiety. Instead of pouring your, your heart out to Jesus and you go like, 
I'm really going through this. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling nervous. I'm always fearful all the time. Instead of looking straight ahead at your shepherd, you miss the point. You're looking at your enemies. Now the word says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, in the presence of my fear, of my insecurities, in the presence of my pain, in the presence of conflict, in the presence of a financial situation, instead of looking straight ahead, we're looking at the enemy. And that is the reason why our focus has been diverted. The enemy grabs a chair and sits at your table. We are the ones providing the opening. Maybe some of us here, you're so busy, you're so stressed up, with work, juggling between work and family and, and maybe ministry, you are what we call you are in a work zone and you are in a denial mood. You know that you need rest, but you convince yourself that if I am not present, if I am not there in the office, if I'm not there with the team, they're not going to be able to function. Sometimes we overestimate our importance in that sense. We feel that we are indispensable, but guess what? That's dysfunctional. We buy into the lies of the enemy. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert, guard your heart, and of sober mind, be sensible, have the sort of clarity. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The Bible says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's sneaky. He's going to find every opportunity to have a seat at your table. But the Bible says he's a roaring lion. When a lion roars, he's going to get the attention of the surrounding because it is loud. And in other words, there are times we will know if the enemy is around our table. There are signs. For instance, if you find yourself not being able to sleep at night, because of stress, because you're worrying about things, if you lose your appetite, if you find yourself crying for no apparent reason, if you find yourself being very critical of things, if you find yourself not being able to smile at all, those are signs that you need to take note of. You've got to pay attention to the symptoms before it becomes a venom in your life. I'm going to say that again. You've got to pay attention to the symptoms in your life before it becomes a venom. Just last year, for a number of months, I was in and out of uh, hospital. Uh, not that I was admitted, but um, I, I was most of the nights at home, when I'm lying on my bed, I will have heart palpitations. And uh, my heart will just raise so fast and, you know, all sort of Worries just flash across your head. Now, you see, my family has a rich history of cardio problems. And, of course, I'm worried that, you know, there might be something right there. So, I think, you know, maybe I might have a heart blockage somewhere because, you know, unhealthy lifestyle and things like this, eat all the fried food and things like this. And probably our mom tells us all the time, you know. So, I was referred to, um, by my sister-in-law to one of the doctors in Agape, which is Dr. Raymond, seated there. And uh, so I went to him for a number of months here and there. We did a number of tests. Uh, I did an ECG before. I did a lung function test. I did some cycling as well. And I uh, can't remember what else I did. And those were moments that I was actually really nervous because I don't know what would happen to me. Now, 
it, initially it was thought that, you know, maybe it's due to my psoriasis, my skin condition, and somehow it affects the uh, internal organs. And that was something new to me at that time. And I was like, okay, I didn't know it was that serious. Did the test and things like this, couldn't really find anything wrong with me. Uh, and so we sort of came to a conclusion that, you know, it could be that it was due to stress. It could be some anxiety attack right there, a little bit of panic uh, attacks and things like this. And so I ran home. Everything was clear. But I told myself, I can't go on like this in the long haul. I'm only 28. And because I'm only 28, I, I have a long journey that is ahead of me. I got to deal with it. I got to pay attention to the symptoms right here. It was a wake-up call to me. And so I told myself, I need to pace myself. I need to take things one thing at a time and relax. And that's what exactly I did. But in addition, I did something else. I told God, you got to help me. You got to just reveal to me what's underneath my anxiety. What's the reason behind my anxiety? And lo and behold, I hate to admit this, but I came up with a conclusion. It came down to these three things on why I was having anxiety. First thing is this, it was my constant strife for control. Now, not that I'm a control freak, but I like things to be done my way. Ring some bells here, you know, you can relate, right? You know what I'm talking about. Second thing is this, it's my constant strive for perfection. Not that I'm a perfectionist in a sense, but I don't like to make mistakes. And the last one, validation from people. Not that I'm trying to be a people pleaser, but I set a certain standards for myself and I say, I must not fail that mark because, you know, people look up to me and things like this and all that. And as a result, these three things was the underlying reason behind my anxiety. As I began to deal with that, I realized things actually got better. Uh, even right now this year, can't really remember the last time when I had a heart palpitation. But that is that. So church, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. If you know you need help, if you know that you have some fear in your life, you are feeling anxious all the time, you are stressed, get to the underlining reasons and find out what is causing you to feel so anxious? Get to the root issue. Tear down those layers and be brutally honest with yourself. Now, this is where we need to ask a very important question. How do I know if the enemy is seated at my table? It is when you hear these voices rehearsing in your head. Five of it. This is the first one. When... You hear voices, you can't do it. You don't have what it takes to rekindle that fire in your marriage. You don't have what it takes to rekindle that passion in your relationship. That's when the enemy is sitting at your table. You know, it's so sad when you go to any food courts, you go to any restaurants, you will realize that sometimes this is what happens. You got two couples eating, dining together. And instead of conversing and, and, and doing life together, sharing your day, you're on your phone. You're just scrolling your phone with each other. I don't know if they are WhatsApping each other, but you know, they're just connecting with each other. 
And maybe they're even video calling each other. Who knows, right? But yeah, so they start scrolling and start scrolling and it's like, oh, food come ready. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And they just do that for the entire meal. It's the marriage being built right here. Sometimes people fall into the trap whereby they forget that in a marriage, in a relationship, you've got to constantly pursue each other. You cannot take each other for granted. You cannot let the fire die down. When you walk down to the altar, when you make those vows for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, you are committing your life, telling your other half that through the brokenness, through the storms, we're going to work out our issues. We're going to work it out. Because I signed up for this. I committed my life to this for a lifetime. Maybe some of us need to hear this today. Because right now in our modern day society, people are calling it quit in marriages more, e- more often than not. So much easier. They don't like it, they walk off. But we don't learn how to get to the rumble and wrestle it out. The second voice is this. If you know the enemy is at your table, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not going to be able to live up to so and so. You, you probably need to do this. You probably need to go for a plastic surgery, a, a, a Botox. You probably need to work even more in order to achieve what people like. The third thing is this. Nothing will ever change. You? Seriously, you? You're going to make a difference in, in, in your office, in your school? You're a hypocrite, isn't it? You, you, you curse. And you, you want to try to reach out to your non-Christian friends? Save the breath. When you hear these voices, the enemy is at your table. The fourth thing is this. They want a piece of me. I'm telling you, these church people, I tell you, they just want my time, they just want my money, they just want my transportation. They're out there to get me. They're out there to take advantage of me. So you know what? I'm going to draw a line and you know, this is my, my, my space. Don't come into my space. And we distance ourselves from the Christian community, the community of faith. And the last one is this. God doesn't care. But I want you to think about it. Is it true that God doesn't care? Or is it true that we are the ones vacating the seat because we feel that this is not enough? Is it true that God doesn't care? But there is also another way that the enemy can find his way to your table. And it's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Sometimes it comes in a form that you least expected. I mean, serving the Lord, that's something positive, isn't it? But along the way, sometimes in church, we, we begin to see different people. It's like, hey, I'm doing all the work right here. You know, they're not lifting their fingers to help me out. And we begin to be a little bit critical. We begin to make assumptions about people. And then you realize, like, you know what? Don't want to serve. Lah. That's where the enemy has a seat at your table. It started with something that is positive. 
just at the blink of an eye, it has turned into something negative. So, I want you to know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And at this point, I just want to invite Michael, Michael Lim, to come and join me at the front. It's, it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. Okay, so I'm just setting him up right now so that you get the fresh response from him, you know. So, Michael, I need you to sit at this table. Yeah, this, this right here, at this chair. Now, before we come to our senses that, you know, these are the enemy's trap, that he wants us to believe in those lies, he's going to convince you that life is better at the other table. He's going to tell you that, hey, if Jesus has prepared this for you, trust me, I have something more. Jesus, you know, you, you prepared green grapes. I got purple grapes right here. And then here I have for you, Michael, I have sneakers bars for you because I'm sneaky that way. I have cheese tarts for you. I have really moist butter cake. And I have some nacho chips as well for you. Oh, I have this for you as well. You will love this. Now, it takes a little bit hard to open because it's precious. Pick a drink. Orange juice. Apple aloe vera juice. And of course, if you're a healthy one, you can pick water. Kangen water to be specific. Now, I just want you to just know that now I'm the enemy, okay? I just want you to know that, hey, you can have all you want. So yeah, go ahead and drink. Just, just any of it, you know, just pick one. I mean, I'm interested in you. The healthier choice. I mean, why not, right? Yeah, drink it, drink it. Yeah, it was just left there for just 10 days, that's all. No, I'm kidding, of course not. Now, I want you to just pick some stuff to eat. I mean, take a cheese tart, take a, take a grape, take any of it. He's the healthy one, isn't it? It's good. It's really good. Now, he's, he's, he's arranging my things. Now, this is one of the rare opportunities you get to eat in the main century, right? And you know your pastors are not going to blame you at all. Yeah, so how's life? I mean, he's really enjoying it, you know. Now, in the first service, we had someone else to sit here just now, and the person was nervous, and the person just popped in the cheese starts straight into the mouth. But right here, you can see he's at, he's very comfortable right here. Now, if you're not careful, you become comfortable at the enemy's table. He's really comfortable. But I want you to know as well that when you come to the enemy's table, you don't just come as you are. You come with your baggages as well. You still come with your pain. And so you lay it down here. Now you see, the enemy has tricked you to come into this table. You have vacated this table of two, this table of intimacy, and you have immersed yourself in the pit that the enemy has provided for you. Sorry for that. Sometimes there is some glitch. Now he's really enjoying himself. I mean, sure, hey, after all, this is all for you, right? And sometimes, you know, 
we extend good hospitality, right? So I'm going to feed you, you know. Have some. Isn't it good? Make sure you don't drop any crumbs on the floor because the enemies are going to go after you. The pastoral team will go after you. Just like this, you have fallen into the enemy's trap. Are they going to do something to my wife? Okay. Yeah, maybe I can have this. Thank you so much. All right, calling in. Check one, two. Now, so, coming back to the passage, okay? So, you know how, like, sheep wanders around? If sheep, without the shepherd, they are basically just directionless. They just wander around and things like this. And so, the sheep always sees the grass is greener on the other side. So, like Michael, he's like a sheep. Maybe he'll sit here with a table of two with the Lord. And because he sees, like, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. And so, he's seated right here. But I want you to know this. Sometimes, because the, 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 the temptation, the food is so good that you get comfortable and you're just seated here and you just enjoy everything and you just refuse to leave. But the more you eat, the more it doesn't fill your tank. It causes a void in you. And that void can only be filled by God. And I want you to know this as well. Have a chip. Have a junk food. I mean, after all, these are all considered as junk food, you know, it's unhealthy. But when you consume junk, it takes a chunk out of you. You know, I heard this from a preacher once. When you compromise, this is what happens, the effect. Compromise makes the consecrated contaminated. And that's what it is. Just like this, you have vacated the blessing and the joy that was set before you and you resolve to something that is of a lower standard. You resolve to the good stuff and you forego the God stuff and just like this. And oftentimes, we feel that the grass is greener on the other side but it's always because of pesticide. I just want you to know that I didn't wash the grapes, Michael, but I love you. You know, because you see, I, I, I'm connecting with him. I'm pretending to really listen to you. Oh, you're, you're struggling? Yeah, so how's the relationship coming along? Remember the, the, the time you told me about that girl? Man, hey, you know, you can be yourself, okay? You can tell me all about your brokenness and things like this. Okay, I'm really interested to know about you. The enemy is going to lure you in to believe that. But this is how it ends. I just want you to watch this. He's going to pull the table aside and says, I'm done with you. You know what? You have had enough. Your time is now. It's time for you to get off the stage. And so you're going to go, all right? Oh, wait, Michael, Michael, wait. By the way, you forgot your baggage. Carry it along and go. Let's give him a hand. Thank you so much, Michael. You fall into the trap of the enemy, he's going to do exactly that to you. He's going to throw you out in the cold and he's going to ask you to carry your baggage and leave. Just when you thought that you could find a sense of release, 
Just when you think that you're, if you look to the, the ways of the world, the pleasures of the world to fill your tank, it's never going to be enough. Do not give the enemy a foothold in your life because a foothold can turn into a stronghold. And when that happens, you're going to have a hard time coming back to the table of two. And that's what it is. Let's take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 to 2. Now, in the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Cut the long story short, Amnon basically raped Tamar, and it caused a whole family conflict happening, and Absalom was angry at the fact that, you know, Amnon raped his sister. And then take a look at verse 21. When King David heard all this, he was furious, and Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. This is a prime example where you can see King David allowing the enemy to have a seat at his table. Now, of course, if you take a look at the life of King David, you know he was anointed, he was a man of God, a man of the God's own heart and, and all that. And of course, the whole episode of Bathsheba, where you know you see the enemies taking a seat at his table. But I just want to draw out another principle right here from this passage. Sometimes the enemy takes a seat at your table when you do nothing about it. Because here, King, uh, King David was furious. He was angry about the whole incident. But he did not take any action against Amnon. When we are passive in our life, when you know that you are stressed, you are fearful, there is a conflict, there is some bitterness right there, and you choose not to do anything about it, that's when the enemy takes a seat at your table as well. Could that be some of us here today? You're just brushing things off. Let's take a look at verse 5. Again, Psalms 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The origin of anointing was from the shepherds. And I'm not talking about the, the, the anointing that, you know, once you lay hand like shikaraba kind of thing, and then you, whoa, you feel very empowered. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about right here how the anointing oil was applied on sheep because insects would get into their ears. And when the oil is being poured on top of the sheep's fur, it prevents the insect from getting into their ear. And if it gets into the ear, it, it becomes very discomfortable for them. So, that's one. The second thing is this. Anointing oil was only given to esteemed guests, you know, to just pour on them. And because they were esteemed guests, what does that tell us? It tells us that God, who is our shepherd, He cares for you. He desires to protect you. He desires to pour the anointing oil on you so that you will not be disturbed by insects. Okay, I mean, that's as it is, but you know, so that you will not be disturbed. He sees you as an esteemed guest at his table. And such is the care. At the end of the day, if you strip it down to the very core, you will, you will just find that Jesus just wants to have a personal relationship, an intimate relationship with you. And that is why this table of intimacy. So if you read this verse, I want you to know that 
He desires to lead you. He desires to lead you beside quiet waters. A staff in His hands to guide you. A rod in His hands to fan you off from any potential attacks. And He wants to anoint us so that our cup overflows. Whatever that we experience right here, that it may overflow into the lives of everyone else around us. So we're going to come to a close very soon. I want you to know that this table right here represents so much more than a table of two. It is a table of intimacy. When you go on a, on, on a, on a table for two experience, you want to get to know the person better. You, you spend time reminiscing about the past, celebrating the present, charting the future and all that. It's really special. But church, I want to ask you today, who is sitting at your table? Is it your shepherd? Or is it the enemy? Who's your shepherd? Is it time? Is it money? Is it family that has become your shepherd? Are you subscribing to the enemy's noise or are you subscribing to God's voice? Because at the end of the day, you know, today you must choose who you will allow to be sitting at your table of two. You know why? Because the enemy and God cannot coexist in the same space. Light and darkness cannot coexist in the same space. And we must choose today who's going to sit at our table of two. Can I invite the worship team to come? I just want to invite you to stand to your feet right now as we draw to a close. I don't know what has struck a chord in you thus far. But if we may be really honest with ourselves, you will know that you have allowed the enemy to take a seat at your table. It doesn't matter if you are a strong Christian, if you have been a Christian for a long time, or if you are a new believer. The enemy will always prowl around your table. He's that roaring lion. But I want you to know this as well. Just because he prowls around your table does not mean that you will be defeated. As believers, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, as children of God, as we sing, I am chosen, I am not forsaken, I am who you say I am. We have every authority in the name of Jesus to declare, no, you cannot have a seat at my table because this place is reserved for me and my shepherd. I'm going to guard my table right here. So I'm going to use my authority in Jesus' name and say, go. You have no business right here in my family. You have no business right here in my personal life. I'm going to take authority. There is power in your no and in your yeses. If you say yes to Jesus and you say no to the enemy, you're going to see your life flourishing. If you exercise that authority in Jesus' name, you're going to unleash that authority. You're going to leash the enemy. The enemy is not going to have a foothold in your life. So will you fix your eyes on your shepherd this morning? You know, and I've come to one of the most favorite part of the message today. 
I want you to know this and I want you to begin to just prepare your heart even right now because God is just going to speak to some of us. I want you to know if the enemy reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future, that he's defeated. When the enemy reminds you of your brokenness, you remind him that I am made whole in the presence of God. Yes, I can't change my past, but I can shape my future today by allowing who to be at my table of two. When the enemy reminds you of your weakness, you remind him who my God is. He is more than able. He is my refuge. When the enemy reminds you that life is better at the other table, guess what? You tell him, my shepherd has prepared a table for two for me in the presence of my enemies. That Christ is enough. That even when I walk through the darkest valley, God, I know that you are with me. And, and this last one, when the enemy reminds you that you are on a downward spiral, that you are stressed, you are anxious, you are so bitter about something that's unforgiveness, you remind him, even though I'm struggling right now, I have what it takes to raise a hallelujah. I have what it takes to exercise my faith and exercise authority in Jesus' name. So come on church all across this place. Let's just begin to just connect with Him right now. Say, God, speak to me right now. Just want you to just close your eyes for a moment. For those of you, you know that the message has resonated in your heart in some way where you are, just raise your hands, raise your hands, begin to connect with Him. Begin to just raise a hallelujah right now. Spirit of God, stir in us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life right now. If you're struggling with anxiety, Begin to pray right now. Because this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do something different. Oftentimes we wait for the music, the worship to come on and then we respond to the call. We respond to God. But today we're not going to allow the enemy to have a seat at our table. We're going to respond even before the music comes on. Because, hey, my faith is not dependent on music. My faith is dependent on my devotion to God and I just want to respond to His Word. So, in any way, if the message has resonated in your heart this morning, I just want you to right now, take a step of faith, leave your seat, come to the altar, come back to the table of two that the Lord has prepared for you. He's calling us to come back. Hey, I want this relationship with you. If that is you, you begin to come right now. If you feel that you are surrounded in the presence of your enemies, you're feeling nervous, you're feeling anxious, where you are, you begin to come as well. If you're feeling that the enemy is having a seat at your family's table, you come as well. Take back the authority. And if you have decided today, you're going to choose today, that it's going to be my shepherd at my table, I just want you to take a step of faith. You come as well. Hallelujah. And as you come, I just want you to just begin to worship. Raise your hands. Cry out to your shepherd. Say, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. 
here might have some issues with our spouse some of us here might have some issues with in a relationship it's time to get back to the table so we got to work things out you're not gonna call it quit because you're not a quitter you're a fighter and if you look take a look at your shepherd 
And I'm sure He's going to provide a way out for you. Begin to take back that fight. And I just sense that, you know, there is a war cry rising in this place. You know what's a war cry? When you go into a battle, a war cry is a shout of victory, a shout of declaration. You are striking fear into the enemy and you are declaring, you are rallying the soldiers and say, we're going to have the victory. We're going to have the victory. So come on church, as a body of Christ, let's declare that war cry that screams of the freedom that we have in Jesus. Let's have a war cry in this place that will say, my God is my shepherd. He has prepared a table before me. Enemy, you're not having the final say. My God is having the final say. So we're going to sing one last time. Let's sing it with conviction, church. Say, Lord, help us, O oh God. Help us in our struggle, O oh God. Lord, if it's stress, if it's anxiety, in Jesus' name, we rebuke it right now. We are coming back to the table of the Lord. Just as we have partake communion this morning, we are coming back to the table of the Lord and say, Lord, you help me. You help me. So, Father, we just want to pray right now, O oh God, for everyone right here, everyone who has a need right now, for everyone right here who perhaps have accommodated the enemy at our table. Lord, we exercise authority right now in Jesus' name and we say, fear, you have no hold on me. Anxiety, you have no hold on me. Stress, you have no hold on me. Bitterness, you have no hold on me. Broken relationships, you have no hold on me. So Lord, we pray you continue to move us into action today as we leave, as we go from this place. 
Lord, remind us over and over again that you are our shepherd, that you want our attention, you want us to put things into action, and to always want us to come back to the table for two. So Lord, we just want to say thank you, Lord. You are such an awesome God. You are our shepherd. We will follow you all the days of our lives and surely goodness and mercy will follow me and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You know, just before you go, just before you go, we want to pray for our ordination service tonight. You know, we are so proud of our pastors, Pastor Anne, Pastor Joshua, Pastor Ignatius. They're going to be ordained tonight. And I just want to encourage you, if you guys can come out, come and support them, come and congratulate them. So come, let's pray for tonight's ordination service. Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord, for tonight. We bring the entire service into your hands from the very onset to the very end. Lord, let your presence be so real, oh God. Lord, continue, oh God, to confirm in them, oh God, the good work that you have started. Lord, we pray that you continue to flourish the ministry. Continue, oh God, to bring them to greater heights, oh God. Continue to lead them, oh God, to people, oh God, that they have never thought they can reach, oh God. So, Lord, expand their vision for the rest of the candidates as well, Lord. You would just pour into their lives over and over again. You be the God that provides for them. So, Lord, we commit this ordination service into your hands. Lord, we are thankful for our pastors. Lord, we should bless them. We should keep them. We should protect them always. We surrender the ordination service into your hands. As we go from here, grant us journey mercy. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ.